It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Rome with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. Six twenty-one's the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. So I just went through. If you're just joining me, you missed it. Uh, the Wicked Witch of the West and her husband. And I hope that her husband gets well, of course. But uh, there's that hammer attack on the Pelosi residence. And immediately, of course, news media pundits wanted to jump all over this as, well, this is some MAGA hat-wearing conservative. Turns out not at all. They knew the guy. He's a neighbor. He had issues. He was illegal, apparently, in the country. Uh, uh Hothead, from what I'm reading, anyway. Nudists like to walk around the streets of San Francisco nude. And neighbors looked at this guy and said, there's problems. One of these days, he's going to flip out and do something bad. And I played audio from one of the neighbors essentially saying that. So in this case, you cannot blame MAGA hat wearing Republicans. And to my conservative friends who immediately said that, now this was a hit. Nancy planned this. This was done just before the election to get sympathy for, you know. That kind of a thing. That doesn't seem to be the case either. It looks like just a neighboring nutball that everybody knew sooner or later would just, uh, that, that knew him anyway, would flip out and do something. Right. So let's take a look at why I always say to people, whenever there's some story like this, don't believe the first things that you hear. In fact, wait. And if you see a bunch of pundits on television or hear them on the radio, just turn them off and wait. Information will start coming in. Don't trust not just the news media. Don't even trust social media. So let's take a look at this. Just some of the stories you've had to put up with over the past few years. The Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation. Story says, with less than a month to go before the 2020 presidential election, New York Post dropped a noteworthy story. Emails showing that Hunter Biden, the son of the Democrat nominee at the time, Joe Biden, introduced a Ukrainian businessman to his powerful father, raising potential concerns of influence peddling. The source was supposed to be information on the laptop that Biden had apparently dropped off at a Delaware repair shop and never picked up. Media, big tech companies did not cast doubt on this, but actively worked to suppress the stories and call it unreliable disinformation. That includes CNN, MSNBC did that, Facebook and Twitter. If you were trying to post about it, they would make sure that not many people could see it or they would even block it. Twitter even locked the New York Post out of its account for weeks because they were posting stories about Hunter Biden and his laptop. Now, it, over time, slowly, they had no choice but to acknowledge the legitimacy of the story. Finally, MSNBC contributor Jason Johnson said it was obviously a Russian operation. CNN's Brian Stelter uh, hypothesized emails could be made up. Uh, a right-wing media machine thing. 60 Minutes host Leslie Stahl told Trump on 2020 the laptop couldn't be verified. NPR said, we're not going to report on the story because it's a waste of our time. But slowly but surely, they had to start coming around to the story. Finally, federal investigators 
even on CNN and MSNBC and NPR, had to finally admit there's a federal investigation into Hunter Biden's laptop. Took him long enough, right? But that was one of many stories that what you were hearing at first and what was being speculated, the media cover-up. You wonder why I have trust issues? You never should. Let's see. The Wuhan lab leak theory was fringe and a conspiracy theory. So the idea that COVID came from a lab in Wuhan, China. Again, that was fringe conspiracy theories. At the time, Washington Post knocked Senator Tom Cotton, Republican of Arkansas, for suggesting the virus came from a lab in Wuhan, China. New York Times did the same thing, called it fringe conspiracy theory. It became routine for media outlets to accuse the lab leak theory of being even racist. Fast forward to 2021, when Biden administration acknowledged the validity of the lab leak theory, the media suddenly changed its tune. Washington Post revisited its 2020 hit piece on Cotton and issued a stunning correction. Okay, so again, the reasons that I have major trust issues with media, with media outlets. For those who listen to conservative talk radio, especially if you listen to Sean Hannity, how often has he talked about Russian collusion and the Steele dossier? Much of the Trump presidency, story says, was plagued by Russian investigation into the narrative, uh, a campaign collusion with the Kremlin to steal the election from Hillary Clinton. The whole Steele dossier thing. Turned out that it was actually funded by the Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee. 35-page intelligence report by an ex-spy later revealed to be heavily trained, but, well, basically partisan actors and so on. Uh, This is something that it turned out should be really embarrassing to the Democrats and the news media because everything they claim that Trump and his administration had done to steal the election from Hillary, they were actually doing to try to steal the election from Trump. Took a while for that to come out. Now they just would rather not talk about it. Oh, one one to me that's top of my list, so I... I've so often have thought about this, have not talked about it as much as I've thought about it. Defaming Nicholas Sandman at Covington College. This was the young man who he and his uh, college friends had gone to learn about the Supreme Court. And they were standing on the steps of the Supreme Court. And there was some uh, Native American tribe that was there protesting something else. I forget what. And... They saw these kids and went over there, and some of them were wearing MAGA hats, by the way, including Sandman, and they surrounded these kids and started beating on drums and chanting. And so young Nicholas, who had someone in his face beating on a drum chanting, had no idea what was going on. So he just stood there and smiled and waited for it to end. Now, if you were watching this on television, remember how they laid into him. Earlier clips created the context for the situation, but it was later verified that the young man had no idea what was going on. And if you watched, they tore into him pundits on the major, well, I was about to say news networks, but on the major now talk television networks like CNN and MSNBC. 
and some major newspapers as well. Boy, they laid into him. That young man is rich now. He is filthy rich because he was able to sue them for defamation and prove it. He honestly had no idea what was going on as he was surrounded by people beating on drums and chanting. No clue. But that's not what the news media told you. For months on end, they destroyed his character. He was getting death threats. Well, at least now he's rich because of it, right? Well, hang on. Coming up on local news, update on your weather forecast. I got more like this, why I have no faith or trust in the news media. Wake up, Wyoming. Here you do with the Wake Up Wyoming app. Free download for Apple and Android. This is K2 Radio. Thirty-six at times. Wake up, Wyoming. So, if you just joining me, I started with the whole attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband, and then I started leaning into other. And, and the news media has gotten all that wrong, by the way. More and more of the story comes out showing that what the news media initially said about it was just flat out wrong. And also, there's a lot of people that I know on both the left and right side who have conspiracy theories about this story and so much of it is what they're saying is just wrong. And so then I started going through other things like uh, the Wuhan China. Where did COVID come from? How the news media suppressed and denied that story until finally they had to admit that, well, actually, okay, it was a lab in Wuhan China. Took them long enough to say that. The whole Steele dossier story, how the media continue to lie and cover up that, get it wrong, until finally they had no choice but to admit that. The stories go on and on like this. Then, of course, the, the young Mr. Sandman, which I just love his last name, how the media lied about him. That was the young man who was with his class on the steps of the Supreme Court when some uh, American Indian protesters surrounded the class and started beating on drums and chanting. And the young kids in the class had no idea why. And there's Nicholas Sandman just standing there, smiling, nodding, with a guy in his face beating the drum and chanting. And the kid has no idea why this is happening. So he just stood there and smiled. Until finally it was over. And the news media rips into him, lies about him, makes up all sorts of stories about him. I don't know why they felt the need to do that. But he now is set for life financially because he was able to sue those news organizations for defamation. The Jesse Smollier incident. Empire actor Jesse Smollier, of course, fakes that attack on him. And for the longest time, here comes the news media running cover for Jesse Sommelier. And anyone who tried to pretend the uh, or protect the actor, like Camilla Harris tried to protect the actor, and they ran interference for her. Quote, this is America in 2019, CNN host Broke Baldwin said, uh, Smollier at the time, and numerous media personalities, Democrat politicians, again, like Camilla Harris, declared Zipolda's assault a modern-day lynching. Good Morning American anchor Robin Roberts sat down with Smollier after his first interview following the alleged incident and didn't push back really against any of his claims. Then it turns out, of course, he was lying about everything. 
Haitian migrants were whipped at the border. Remember that one? Yeah, remember the story about, and, and there's the video where you can see they're not whipping the Haitian migrants, our um, border patrol. They were not whipping them. But that story ran on the news media. Nick is in Casper. Morning, Nick. Morning. How are you today? Good, sir. What you got for me? Okay, I got a couple things. I'll cover them as quick as possible. Right. Uh, the January 6th, her daughter videoed her walking around, and you would think, even though your kid's an adult, that somebody would be freaking out over this violence, as they called it. Uh, and it was kind of violent in a lot of ways um, yeah. at the January 6th thing. But her daughter filmed it, and everything was so calm about the whole situation. Right. She knew it was coming. That's kind of an obvious. The other part is, is everybody keeps calling it free, giving away, we're doing this. If a politician takes money for benefits from somebody, it's a bribe. Right. But when a politician yeah. gives away all this stuff, it's not a bribe anymore. It is bribing people to vote for them. Mm-hmm. And nobody's using that word anymore unless a politician gets caught taking money for something. Right. If, my, you know, if, not here's the, that right? It, well, if they decide to bribe you with benefits to get your vote, that's not a bribe. But if Pelosi reaches into her purse and pulls out a few thousand dollars and hands it to you for a vote, that is a bribe. So it's okay to do as long as you're using taxpayer money, right? Oh, okay. So yeah. I'm doing that wrong. So yeah, I guess that's I was wrong on that. my yes. Okay, okay. Well, we all have to grow up sometime, Nick, so... I- <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for no, calling. No, 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 I'm not growing up. Don't do that. No, okay. No, I'm never growing there myself. All right. I appreciate it, Nick. So, no, he's got it right. Um, and and listen, I have a list. I'm not done yet. I've got a few more stories I'll get into probably next hour. Things that the news media lied about, completely covered up. Eventually, in some cases, they had to admit that they were wrong about it, though they never admitted that they were lying about some of these things. Well, in fact, the story that I was just covering there, let's go back to the immigrants, the illegal immigrants being whipped at the border. So you see some Border Patrol agents on horseback, and the first thought was, oh, they're whipping these migrants. No, they weren't whipping the migrants. When you see the video clearly from several angles, they never were whipping any migrants. That was a lie. MSNBC host Joy Reid repeatedly accused border agents of whipping migrants. CNN's Victor Blackwell suggested it's a destruction between the agents using whips and reins and beating Haitian people. New York Times accused border agents of using reins and horses to strike running migrants. The report was later corrected and he admitted he had overstated the thing. So you wonder why, and I guess you don't. I have massive trust issues with these people. 642, wake up Wyoming. Try something different. Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. Six forty-eight is the time. Coming up in six forty-nine, off we go to the icebox. Frank Gambino is waiting by. So, Frank, normally when you hear a Fat Tuesday, you think of all the food people are eating the Tuesday before Lent. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I okay. think of Mardi Gras. Right. That's all I think about. Today is also Fat Tuesday because Halloween was on a Monday. And so on a Tuesday is when all of this candy shows up at work. And if you have kids, there's candy all over the house that they brought in. 
I saw some kids yesterday yeah. that were raking it in. Oh, man. Raking it in, yeah. like record-breaking. Yes. Does, it, does anybody really, you know, nobody uses, very few people, or kids, yeah. use the plastic pumpkin heads. No. No, they pillowcases. Oh yeah, and bags from the grocery store. Oh my lord, yeah, from the Loading grocery store. So that that's why today is considered to be Fat Tuesday because no matter where you are, you'll be getting fat. By the way, it suddenly struck me last night that Halloween we're doing this in a very inefficient way. So here's the parents at home with a big, big container filled with candy. They then send their kids out to get candy. And they give away that, that candy to other kids. What if you just gave the candy to your kids at home and everybody did the same thing? Nobody would have to go outside. Yeah, I, I will say this. Yeah. I, from the perch that I had yesterday, part of it. Yeah. I, my faith in humanity was restored. Oh, good. Okay. There were a lot. There were a lot of kids out there with dressed up, having, and the weather was great. Oh, yeah. So you know what? Go out and get some candy. Yeah, a lot of really. And, 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 and the parents, they're like. Well, anything we don't give away, oh yeah, we're just going to eat ourselves. It, it arrives at work, hence Fat yeah. Tuesday. Yes. Yeah. And, and by the way, I do have a post up on the Wake Up Wyoming site. Some of the best Halloween pranks that were pulled. Oh, I, I love to hear those. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got some for you next hour. All righty. In college football, the Wyoming Cowboys, they have this week off. They are 6-3 and three overall, 4-1 and one in Mountain West play after a 27-20 road win over Hawaii on Saturday night. Now, Hawaii scored the first 10 points of the game. Wyoming got back in it in the second quarter with a John Hoyland field goal and a 35-yard run for a score from quarterback Andrew Peasley. Dwayne McNeely and Peasley added fourth-quarter TD runs, and the defense held on, and, and Hawaii ran 75 plays on offense. Like any any other game, there's some good things and bad things. Here's UW head coach Craig Bowl. So we competed and played really hard. Our execution was not where it needed to be. There's a lot that goes into that, but uh, our effort and energy level was outstanding. Um, a couple of players played really well. Camp Stone continues to improve and get better. Um, obviously, John Hoyland's doing a great job with his place kicking. Cowboys got to that six-win mark. They are now bowl eligible. That's the sixth time in the last seven years that's happened. So the folks with this week off and uh, have the border war with Colorado State a week from Saturday in Fort Collins. The NFL from last night, Cincinnati drew Cleveland 32-13. There was a pair of Natrona County High School grads from Casper in that game. For Cincinnati, Logan Wilson was back in there after missing last week's game with a shoulder injury. He was in on eight tackles from the linebacker spot. Six were solo. On the Cleveland side, Taven Bryan plays on the Browns' D-line. He had, was in on four tackles and a half sack. Back on Sunday, Buffalo beat Green Bay 27-17 to get to 6-1 on the year. Bills quarterback and former UW star Josh Allen had a just pretty much a pedestrian game. 13 of 25 for 218 yards with two TD passes, but also threw two interceptions. Allen also had 49 yards rushing in the game. In high school football, the semifinal round is set statewide and 4A in the Toronto will be at Cheyenne East at 6 p.m. on Friday. Cheyenne Central will be at Sheridan also at 6 p.m. on Friday. In 3A, Buffalo will be over in Cody at 5 p.m. on Friday with Star Valley visiting Douglas at 6 p.m. also on Friday. In 2A, Lovell will host Cokeville on Saturday at 1 p.m. Bighorn will host Lyman on Friday at noon. 
and 1A nine-man. Shoshone will host Wind River at Saturday at 2. Pine Bluffs will be at home on Friday at 4 p.m. to take on Rocky Mountain. And in 1A six-man, Encampment will be at Little Snake River on Friday at noon, and Burlington goes to, for, uh, to Dubois Friday at 2 p.m. Junior College Volleyball, the Region 9 tournament starts tomorrow at Casper College. Uh, Casper College is 7-26 and 26 on the year. They are the fourth seed from the north. They'll take on Western Nebraska in the first round at 5 p.m. LCCC from Cheyenne is the two seed from the north with a record of 16 and 10, and they'll take on McCook in the first run at 1 p.m. tomorrow, and that tournament runs through Saturday. So Josh was just pedestrian. Yeah, he there's a couple of really bad balls he threw. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, he, he's an athlete, you know, and, every, yeah. and not he's not going to throw for 400 yards every game, right? But you know what? Yeah, and he'll, he'll probably be the first person to admit, you know, I, I probably could have played better, but we won. Okay. Well, they won anyway. That yeah. was good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So much like Tiger Woods when he was at the top of the game there, when he had a bad day, that means he was good as all the other golfers. That's accurate. Yeah, very, okay. very much so, yeah. So when he was having a good day, nobody could touch him. Exactly. Okay. Yes. So that's when, uh, okay, so we're looking at Josh Allen the same pretty, way. Pretty much, yeah. All right, thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. We're going to roll into news time after that national, local update on the weather forecast. You and I get back into it. Wake up, Wyoming. the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Ed Woods. Thanks for joining me. I'm officially dubbing this as Fat Tuesday because yesterday was Halloween. Now we've got all this candy to deal with and so and also the holidays here come Thanksgiving and all the other holidays here. So we start by getting fat today and it will continue until the first Thanksgiving holiday. We're going to have a lot to make up for by the time we get through New Year's. Just saying. So since uh, yesterday, Monday was Halloween. Today's Tuesday. Today's Fat Tuesday. Enjoy all that candy. Even though you swore you weren't going to, we all know better. All right, if you're just joining me, at first hour of the program, I started by talking about the attack at the Pelosi house and how you just can't believe. Even some of the first things that the news media reported to you just turned out to be wrong. Okay. And how it's a neighbor, he's an illegal immigrant, he's a nudist, by the way. Other neighbors said, yes, yeah, sooner or later, something really bad was going to happen with this guy. This was not some MAGA hat-wearing Republican going after uh, Pelosi. That's not what was going on. And more information is coming up. But they got the story completely wrong. Okay, so from there, I started going through other stories. Briefly. Just to catch up, you, you people join me in the 7 o'clock hour, just to get you caught up. Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation. And remember, news outlets told you you're a tin-hatted conspiracy theorist. And if you tried posting about it on Facebook and Twitter, they would suppress, even block you. They even blocked a major news organization because they were posting Hunter Biden stories. Turned out to be all true. COVID came from a lab in Wuhan, China. Boy, the media fought that one for a long time before they finally had to come out and say, well, actually, 
Russian collusion and the Steele dossier. And that turned out to be not a Donald Trump plot to steal the election, but a Hillary Clinton plot. Uh, let's see. Defaming Nicholas Sandman. That's one story that I talk about a lot. The young man that was with his class in front of the Supreme Court in D.C. when some Native American protesters surrounded them and started beating on drums and chanting. For no particular reason, other than some of them were wearing MAGA hats, but, you know. And the young man, Nicholas, just stood there smiling as a guy was in his face beating on a drum, having no idea what was going on. And the media just raked him for the longest time, to the point he was getting death threats and on and on it went. Young Nicholas is now a rich man because he sued news organizations for lying about him. Uh, yeah, he's stinking rich. Jesse Smollier, the actor, who faked a racial hit against him. Uh, for the longest time, news media outlets de defended him until eventually it was found. Even in Chicago, uh, some politicians tried to run interference and defend him. But eventually the truth came out against uh, about that. Haitian migrants were whipped at the border by Border Patrol on horseback. No, they were not whipped, and it took a long time for the media to finally correct that story. You understand why I have trust issues, right? Let's move on. Andrew Cuomo's COVID-19 leadership was worthy of praise. Story says in the early months of COVID pandemic, the media showered the Democrat New York Governor Andrew Cuomo with praise, juxtaposed the leadership. He put on display with daily briefings and so on. MSNBC said Como was everything Trump isn't, calling him honest and direct and brave. And uh, one of the heroes on the front lines, CNN commentator Carl Bernstein, said Como was providing real leadership, the kind that Trump could never, never provide. Quote, maybe Trump is just a little bit mad that Governor Cuomo is becoming kind of, kind of an acting president, said Joy Reid on The View. There were even rumors that Cuomo could replace then-candidate Joe Biden, top of the Democrat ticket. But it was left unmentioned by most of the legacy media that 2020 was the, well, they were nursing a scandal. Cuomo's order focusing on arresting um assisted living facilities to take COVID patients to prevent overwhelming the hospitals in the first few weeks of the pandemic. Remember that whole, despite the apparent cover-up that took place as New York nursing homes body count drew higher and higher. It was Cuomo's behavior toward women that ultimately forced him out of office. And even then, it took him a little while to get on the whole thing with uh, Como uh, and the women that came out eventually because of this. It took a while before finally the media stepped up and started going after him the way they should have. Now he's no longer governor of the state. That's just a few of the stories that I've laid out for you this morning, and I have more that I could spend the rest of the morning doing, which gives you an idea of why I have major trust issues with the news media. So the latest... And I would even caution against rumors 
that you hear from no matter who, what news organization, whether it's someone you trust or not. When it comes to the whole attack at Nancy Pelosi's house on her husband, remember I've told you before, usually the first thing you hear in news stories is wrong. And if you hear a bunch of commentators shooting their mouths off, usually they're wrong. And if you start developing any kind of a theory in your head as to what happened, remember, you weren't there. You don't have the information. It takes a while for the story to finally come out. So we really know what's going on. But oftentimes, by the time we have all of the facts, news media is done covering it. And most of the American public never gets to hear what really happened. That's the unfortunate side of all of this. My sister in Lake Wales, Florida is up. Great, more fat. Yes, yeah, see, I declared today to be Fat Tuesday. I get fat every time I go to the cabin. There's yummy cheese factory, fudge, ice cream. Now the holidays. I'll need new clothes. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, Sister Dear, about um, about Fat Tuesday. Since it yesterday was Halloween, today's Tuesday. Here's how it works with candy, I've noticed. So you go to work, people have brought candy to work. If you have kids, you will be stealing your kids' candy, even though you promised yourself you wouldn't be doing that. And if you do steal something from their bowl, you're going to fluff the bowl up so it doesn't look like there's anything missing, right? The candy at work, the good stuff goes first. You swore you weren't going to take anything, but next thing you know, you're squirreling it away in your desk drawers so you can eat it during the course of the next few months, even though you're going to finish it in the next few days. You're going to walk toward the treat basket at work when you think nobody is looking and stuff your pockets. We all do it. Pretty much everybody listening to me right now has sworn that they're not touching the Halloween candy. They don't need it. Their waistline's big enough. Yeah, you say that. Coming up on 715, Wake Up Wyoming. Spreading across Wyoming faster than a new case of measles. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Live on AM 1030 and the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Time to wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. We haven't heard the name Greta Thunberg in a while. That, of course, is the young lady that was picked up by climate activists from the cult of climate change and brought round the world so she could read messages and act like the face of the youthful generation. You're killing the planet. You've killed my future. That Greta Thunberg. And another one of those things where, well, times when uh, news media and politicians all jumped on board and ran with the story with nobody in the news. I keep calling them news media. They're really not. Very few people, I should say, other than maybe a couple of conservative outlets. But other than that, no. Everything she said was right, and nobody would dare question her. What if she was saying something that wasn't true? Should we analyze what she was saying? All right, so she has not been their golden girl for a little while, but now that she's been out of it for just a bit, she's become a bit more critical of the movement that she was a part of back then. Ladies and gentlemen, the only hit song Al Gore thinks he ever had. You're driving a big car. I come on your radio. I say the end's close 
just say no I say it's global warming But you call me a liar But this planet's on fire So it didn't surprise me after poor Greta had gone round the world talking and meeting world leaders and talking to the news media. Then she stepped back and watched to see what would happen. And not much really changed, honestly. Oh, they had meetings. Politicians had meetings and swore to do all sorts of things. But then afterwards, when you take a look at what those countries were actually doing, those things weren't done. This is where I brought up to you, even in Europe, even before we had the Russian invasion of Ukraine, even before then. Europe was in trouble because they tried to go wind and solar. And you know how unreliable and dirty that energy really is. So it, to me, was just hysterical irony. And those on the, well, in the cult of climate change are mad as hell. As Germany turns back on coal-fired power plants, in one of the power plants, they had to expand the size of the coal mine in order to bring more power into the generator. This is like two coal power plants that we have in Gillette, Wyoming, where they dig coal and run it right up the conveyor belt into the power plant. That's what they're doing at this one plant in Germany. In order to expand the coal mine, they had to tear down the wind farm that was in the way. Oh, that, oh, yeah, the, the, the cult of climate change is freaking out over this. But this is what happens when you want reliable energy. Headline for you. Greta finally gets it. Yeah, Greta Thunberg. UN Climate Summit, uh, which is it's called COP27. She calls it a scam that provides an opportunity for people in power to use greenwashing, lying, and cheating. <gasps> Greta said that? Well, these were all the people that came out to talk to her, and they wanted to be seen with her. And now she says this about them. So, okay, here's the story. Greta Thunberg has described the climate summit that's taking place in Egypt next week as a scam. That's failing humanity. Swedish activists said people in positions of power were using their high-profile gatherings for attending greenwashing, lying, and cheating. Quote, it is now cops, that's what they call this, COP27 cops, are not really going to lead any major changes unless, of course, we use them as an opportunity to mobilize, she said. She was in Southland, London, talking. Uh, she has a new climate book out there, by the way. Uh, activists trying to make people realize that this whole thing has been a scam, and these people are failing us. This, so she still believes the rhetoric of the cult of climate change, but that's not my point. She takes a look at the politician, and well, they're just using this as a scam, money and power. Oh, she gets it, does she? This week, the U.N. warned there's no clear pathway to place a limit on global heating. There was a target from the 2016 Powers Agreement 
as only a handful of countries actually did anything, but most countries that promised a lot did nothing. In a wide-ranging keynote address on stage with interviews, journalists, and so on, Ms. Thunberg spoke on everything from politics and activism to how to deal with eco-anxiety. Yes, there are people who suffer from eco-anxiety. As for her thoughts on the controversial tactics of groups such as Extinction Rebellion or Just Stop Oil, who have recently made headlines, including by throwing soup over a Van Gogh painting, teenagers said there were a broad range of actions that could, well, generalize to do things to bring attention to, but she thought she wanted to do things more reasonable to expect a climate activists to try different kinds of actions. Quote, we're right now in a very desperate position. Remember, she is a member of a doomsday cult, so she believes that. Many people are becoming desperate and trying to find new methods because we release that, uh, well, there's really nothing we've been doing up until now. Nothing has done the trick, she said. As for upsetting people, she said, harming people is one thing and making someone annoyed is a different thing. Well, and she goes on to talk about, again, the politicians who are having their meeting, which will be, I think I said, what, next week in Egypt. And they haven't done anything to change anything other than a couple of countries making some moves. Other than that, Greta Thunberg has seen no change whatsoever. Politicians are using this for power and money. She finally gets it. Now, earlier this morning, I was talking about news outlets and how they really don't cover stories truthfully, honestly, which is why I have trust issues. I'm going to play this one again. Listen to this scientist just cause this news anchor's head to explode because this scientist is not saying the right thing. Russia's deadly wildfires, the smog-filled cities and poor harvest are being seen by some environmentalists as signs of climate change. Let's now cross live to London to discuss this with Piers Corbyn. He's an astrophysicist Hello. and also founder of Weather Action. Uh, good to have you. Thanks very much indeed for joining us live there in London. So what we're seeing here is a drastic change in climate, aren't we? Well, Climate has always been changing, uh, but this has nothing to do with man. In fact, we predicted that there would be extreme heat in uh, East Europe and Russia this uh, summer. And uh, it's caused by a certain circulation pattern. CO2 does not cause circulation patterns. What causes those is a combination of solar activity and uh, the state of the, the phases of the moon. But hang on, Piers, uh, wait, wait, fact, excuse me, just a minute. You say this isn't caused by man. How come they're reporting this heat wave is recognized as the worst in a thousand years of recorded history in well, Russia? Well, and uh, well, surely of course, man has got something to do with this, hasn't he? No, nothing to do with it. The only, the only connection is man is here at the same time as the sun and the moon are doing things. Um, you see, a very similar situation happened about 132 years ago, where there was the same sun, earth, lunar, magnetic states. Um, there was uh, heat waves in Russia, and there were also floods in Pakistan, as now. And in the previous few years, there was also uh, floods in the English summers, uh, also 132 years ago. So these things are dictated by solar activity in the moon. This is not what he was supposed to say, that actual climate scientist. And you could hear the news anchor having a bit of a freak out about that. Well, you're not supposed to do that, right? 
Coming up on 7.30, local news update on your weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming. Six the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Earlier this morning on Wake Up Wyoming site, I posted a story about how business people in Wyoming, whatever the business might be, are having a tough time finding employees. Now, it could be anywhere from a fast food joint up to a really skilled job. They're having trouble finding people. There's a lot of jobs open in Wyoming. Come across this story here. Texas business owner puts up now hiring sign and at the bottom now hiring non-stupid people. After a frustrating revolving door of hires that didn't work out at his Pets Gone Wild Resort in Texas, Pasadena, Texas, did not take long to get a critical, uh, a critic, a Houston Chronicle reporter called. He said, ma'am, I'm sorry, but there's a whole lot worse things out there that I could have said that would be offensive, and I'm not going to take it down. He said, people who are applying are just not working out. We're trying to weed out people that come in. I mean, we hired one last week, lasted three days. He's been trying a more traditional approach without much success. He also said many employees fail to understand that he expects them well, for one thing, to show up to work on time. Next, actually work. Repeatedly, get off your cell phone, he tells them. You've got dogs to watch. Okay, put the cell phone up. Get, get back out there. 20 minutes later, there they are back on their cell phone. Yeah. He would like to find someone who's at least moderately smart out there and understands what a job is. He said they found the sign on Amazon. That's where he bought it. He didn't make it himself. He said this was the very first one at the top of the page. We all got a good laugh. My wife said, get it. So he did. He was, let me see, there was another woman who identified herself as Taylor. Uh, what does it say about uh, to, to uh, prior employees? Oh, we think you're stupid. We're trying to hire somebody smarter than you. Quote, the fact that they feel so emboldened to put something like that up there, it's disgusting, says Taylor. I don't know. I think they're, it's just, they're frustrated. As a business owner, the guy's just frustrated. He wants some work ethic out there, someone who actually pays attention. I bet most of these people are actually smart if they applied themselves. Some customers who drop off their pets at the business have a better opinion of the sign. Quote, I just saw the sign yesterday and I laughed because we knew it was Walter's sense of humor. So we took it in jest, said one customer. I can see why some people might be offended, but I like his attitude personally where he says, I'm just not going to take it down. Yeah. Parsons said whether it was the buzz over the sign or just being visible, he had received some good applicants. Oh, so now that, the, and I'm looking at the sign, now hiring non-stupid people. 
And so some non-stupid people said, yeah, that's me. Come through here, take a tour, look at the responsibility you have. Would you put your child somewhere that wasn't, well, they didn't have dedicated, smart employees? Well, same thing with your pets. He said, objections to the sign, well, there have been some at times. Uh, since the COVID society has just gotten completely out of hand, he said, they don't want anyone's feelings hurt, but it's honest. Okay. And that, once again, is, I think, not just a matter of smarts, but a matter of, do you know the purpose of a job, what you're supposed to be doing here? Like, put your phone away. Pay attention to what you're supposed to be doing. Even if what your job is not particularly glamorous, you don't earn a ton of money, take a lot of pride in what you're doing. So when you're done at the end of the day, you can, it's one thing when the boss pats you on the back, but you can look at what you did and pat yourself on the back and say, job well done. There's something about that kind of work ethic that I just don't think has been taught to some people of a younger generation. Now, I know we're always, the older folks are always picking on the younger generation, but in this case, I do see it quite a bit, and I understand this guy's frustration. I really do. So to put up a sign like that, the thing that gets me is it may have, we'll see if there's a follow-up story, it may have actually worked, where some people looked at the sign and went, oh, he's getting a bunch of stupid, lazy, et cetera, et cetera. I'll apply there because I'm not one of those. He says he got a few good applications in there and some people that he thinks can pull off the job. Let's hope he's right about that. Back here to the state of Wyoming, again, I have a story on the Wake Up Wyoming site where very difficult to find workers in the state of Wyoming right now. The number of jobs open out there, a lot are open out there. Not all of them are specialty jobs. Some of them are, well, just basic jobs, but whatever. If you need a job in Wyoming, at this point, there's no reason really to be unemployed in Wyoming. There's too much out there. Just remember to put your cell phone away when you show up to work. Concentrate on the job. 742, Wake Up Wyoming. Well, there's still ring morning radio. This is Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. 7.45 is the time off. We go to talk to Don Day from Dayweather. It was just a fantastic night last night. So, again, thanks for the Halloween thing. So we have just on the horizon, I think, something coming our way. When does the change get here? Well, first of all, the change will be felt with the wind. Okay. Uh, it's going to be pretty windy today and into the day tomorrow, especially I-25, I-80, the usual suspects. Um, but in terms of the precipitation, it's really going to just be the far west tonight into Wednesday morning. Places like Pinedale and Bondurant and Jackson and Evanston will start to see some rain and snow showers developing. So the west... During the day tomorrow and tomorrow night, it's going to get into it. The rain, the snow, the falling temperatures. And places like Rock Springs, Green River, Evanston will be looking at some snow uh, by mid to late day tomorrow, if not by tomorrow morning. Now, for the rest of the state, it's really going to be Wednesday night and during the day Thursday as the cold, moist air comes over the divide and onto the plains. 
So Casper, Sheridan, Buffalo, Gillette, down to Laramie and Cheyenne. It's going to be that late Wednesday, Thursday timeframe where the impacts hit. So west to east will be the changes. Okay, but it's still like we were talking about yesterday. It looks more like a step down rather than a slap in the face. Well, there, this this could be kind of a, a little bit of a slap, okay. depending, depending on where you are. And the reason I say that is I see just enough snow falling and enough cold air that uh, Wednesday night through Thursday night, we're going to have some we're going to have some icy roads, highways and mountain passes and significant snow in the mountains. Is it a, is it a big fall storm, Glenn? No, it isn't. But uh, it is certainly going to we're, we're really changing things up. Uh, the air with this system up in Western Canada is really cold. Uh, five degrees in Fairbanks this morning. Um, there, there's cold air up there filtering its way south. So look, put it this way. It's it's kind of like a, a little nudge and then yeah. not a big slant, but a little one, especially okay. you'll notice that by Thursday. So Canada's reminding us that we're here and they're coming. I think over the next yeah. next two weeks, you better have that little audio queued up I, and ready to go. I will have that ready to go over the next couple of days. All right. Thanks, Don. I appreciate it. Well, see, that's the Blame Canada song that Miss Mary likes so much that I play every time it's Canada's fault. So he just said, get ready for it. All right. All news. Speaking of which, the icebox we go. Frank Gambino's waiting by. So I told you about uh, Halloween pranks. Yes. That I thought were just the best. So I'm going to play just a little bit of something for you. And I would like you to hear the delight in these ladies to me frank it's a good prank when the person that you're pranking is laughing harder than you are i i get that let's hear it yeah okay three towns for a free car wash ready (laughs) (laughs) he's gonna do it again please do it again Aren't they just having a great time? So what are they doing? Okay, here's what's happening. I have no idea. In front of them is a pickup truck. Okay. And on the bed of the pickup truck, there is a skeleton sitting up on the tailgate, okay. looking at them. Honk the horn, and the skeleton will pee on your car. <laughs> 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 so, so they beeped the horn for one P and then beeped it again for yeah, a second. Oh, they were P. having such a good time. Let's do that again. Here we go. <laughs> He's going to do it again. Please do it again. Please. Please. Yeah, the hood of their car is getting wet as the skeleton pees on their car. So. <laughs> Just shoots out a nice arc from the back. So this guy had to come up with this idea. Yeah, how, and, how do you think about this? Yes, and, and then he had to design the idea of how am I going to make this thing shoot water like that. <laughs> and then put it together with a little pump, and he had to have a water reservoir somewhere and all that kind of stuff. Then in his vehicle, he has to design some kind of a trigger mechanism to fire the arc of water that's going to pee on the car behind him. Was it the right color? No, it's just water. Okay. Uh, That's it. You don't want to go too far with it. But anyway, no, that was... And the the delight of the ladies as they were screeching, let's do it again. (laughs) Oh, please, please, please do it again. Please do it again. That's the kind of stuff that I think is fun. Mainly, Frank, because as you heard, the ladies that were being pranked were having as much fun as the guy doing the pranking. That was cool. That That is what Halloween is supposed to all be about. So I always tell people, if you're going to pull a practical joke, you can even pull one on me. I'm all for it. Be that guy. And we need more Halloweens like that.
I agree. All right. Let's go. College football, the Wyoming Cowboys have the week off. They are 6-3 and three overall, 4-1 and one in Mountain West Conference play after a 27-20 road win over Hawaii on Saturday night. Now, Hawaii did score the first 10 points of the game. Wyoming got back in in the second quarter with a John Horland field goal plus a 35-yard run for a score from quarterback Andrew Peasley. Uh, Dwayne McNeely and Peasley had a fourth-quarter touchdowns. Uh, they really, really helped. Wyoming had a whopping 365 yards on the ground but just 76 yards throwing the ball. But a win is a win, according to head coach Craig Bull. Obviously, we ran the ball well. Uh, a lot that can be uh, noted. I thought our offensive line uh, really did an outstanding, I mean, an outstanding job. Why he's big and strong up front. Uh, and as the game went along, we really moved him around. The backs ran hard, and uh, but sometimes the hole was just wide open. They, there was nobody in the back end. So, Cowboys getting to that six-win mark are bowl eligible. That's the sixth time in the last seven years that's happened. The Pokes with this week off, it'll be the border war with Colorado State a week from Saturday in Fort Collins. In the NFL from last night, Cincinnati was drilled by Cleveland 32-13. There were a pair of Natrona County High School grads from Casper in that game. For Cincinnati, Logan Wilson was back in there at the linebacker spot after missing last week's game with a shoulder injury. He had eight tackles, six of them solo. On the Cleveland side, Taven Bryan plays on the Browns D-line, and he had four tackles with a half a sack. Back on Sunday, Buffalo beat Green Bay 27-17 to get to 6-1 on the year. Bills quarterback and former UW star Josh Allen with a pedestrian-type game, just 13 of 25 for 218 yards with two TD passes, and he also threw two interceptions. Allen had 49 yards rushing in the contest. High school football, the semifinal round is set statewide in 4A, and the Toronto will be at Chinese at 6 p.m. on Friday. Cheyenne Central will be at Sheridan also at 6 p.m. on Friday. In 3A, Buffalo goes over to Cody for a 5 p.m. kickoff off on Friday with Star Valley visiting Douglas on Friday for a 6 p.m. kickoff. Over in 2A, Lovell will host Cokeville on Saturday at 1 p.m. Bighorn has a noon game on Friday against Lyman. In 1A, Nyman Shoshone will host Wind River on Saturday at 2 o'clock. Pine Bluffs will be at home on Friday at 4 to take on Rocky Mountain. And in 1A, six-man encampment will be at Little Snake River at Friday at noon. Burlington goes to Dubois Friday at 2. In junior college volleyball, the Region 9 tournament will start tomorrow at Casper College. The host team, Casper College, 7-26 and 26 on the year. They are the fourth seed from the north. They'll take on Western Nebraska tomorrow at 5 p.m. LCCC from Cheyenne is the two seed from the north with a record of 16 and 10, and they'll take on McCook in the first run at 1 p.m. tomorrow, and that tournament will run through Saturday at the Erickson Gym. That's it in sports. So, uh, first off, J.W. and Guernsey uh, he sent me the video. Glad you like that video. I think I saw it on his Facebook page and stole it. But, uh, okay, so every time you say that Josh Allen was uh, had a very pedestrian game, I picture some guy walking across the street as a pedestrian listening yes. to this show. Yes. And he's getting very upset with you because, hey, I'm a pedestrian. I'm crossing the street right now. Well, I'm, I'm a pedestrian, too. Yeah. I mean, I, when, 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 like, like, like politically, I'm a pedestrian. Oh. Okay, so, so you, you know, it's one step at a time yes. across the street. You're not running. No, not you're not right. taking yeah. your time, yeah, but you're yeah. just 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 kind of strolling across the street. Yeah. So I guess another way to put it is uh, to the guys crossing the street that heard Frank say that uh, Josh Allen played about as good as you would play, and you're not a professional ball player, okay? But but you know what? Yeah. He made it from Josh Allen made it from one side of the street to the other. Okay. So there you go. If you as a pedestrian listening to this right now, make it to the other side. You're allowed to spike your phone. <laughs> yes. Okay? I wouldn't recommend it. No, 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 no. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. Hey, I'll roll into news time after that. National, local update on the weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming.
six the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. We're in open phones. So triple eight ninety seven wins the phone number. That's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. I was just listening news top of the hour. President talking about record profits from those oil companies. And he's all disappointed because, you know, you could be investing that money back in America, you know, is what the president said. And my first thought was, well, they would if you would let them. The next part of what he said, though, but instead, they're giving it back to their investors, these record profits. Well, okay, let's take a look at who the investors are. Do you have a 401k, some kind of a retirement portfolio of some, of some kind, any kind of retirement portfolio? Do you have that? Okay. Well, you probably have some oil companies in there. Grandma retires on her fixed income. Okay. This is part of what goes into it. Now, in a time of high inflation, like we're experiencing right now, which the president doesn't want to take any credit for, but it's his to take. Wouldn't it be nice if people who were on fixed incomes could have a little bit more coming their way? Well, there's those record high oil profits coming their way. Because that's who really owns the oil companies. It, I know there's some rich CEOs and so on. But... Uh, Oil companies are not owned by some guy, a pot-bellied old guy in a three-piece suit with his feet up on a big old desk, big oak desk, let's say, puffing on a cigar with a glass of whiskey in the other hand, looking at the record profits going, <laughs> that's not what's happening here. So if the money ends up going back to the investors, that's how it's supposed to work. That's what investments are. That's why you buy stock. So good, I'm glad that uh, people on fixed incomes are getting a little extra shot. And by the way, as I explained yesterday, because a listener asked me to explain, so I took a, a few minutes to explain that oil companies, as much money as the oil industry can bring in, most oil companies are not big companies, they're mom and pop businesses. Okay? So the profit margins tend to be very low. And at times, even the big oil companies operate at a loss. But every once in a while, because it's such a volatile, say that again, volatile market, that's better. We get a sudden surge in prices and they start to rake in a bunch of money. Well, that certainly makes up for the hard times. But again, the president won't take that into account. Uh, but he's also the guy trying to shut down the oil industry as well. We've talked about that before. All right. I did come across, since, since we're talking oil and gas and so on, some top Democrats. Here's a headline for you. Top Democrats urge Biden to nationalize oil and gas industry. Now, these are socialists. And socialists have no idea how economics really works. Let's take a look at Venezuela. What happened in Venezuela when they nationalized the oil and gas industry? Yeah, overnight. What? Yeah, we see what happened, right? So nationalizing is another way of saying stealing. They took it away from the rightful owners. In this case, in America, these companies are owned by investors, but their investments will be stolen from them. All right. 
The story says the energy crisis is worsening. U.S. has fewer than 30 days of diesel and other fuels, uh, the lowest level since 1945. Supplies are so low, there will be shortages and price spikes within six months unless the U.S. enters a recession, experts warn. In response, Biden administration is releasing more oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. But the reserves are crude oil, not refined oil. Oil products such as diesel, and there's all sorts of other things we make out of oil anyway, out of crude. And the, re the releases are uh, stifling investment in future oil production. People are depleting their emergency stocks. And even Saudi Arabia's energy minister warned this week, losing energy stocks may become painful in the months to come. In response, some influential Democrats, including a leading U.S. Senate candidate, former Department of Energy official, and influential energy experts, they call themselves experts. I don't think they're experts, but okay are arguing the U.S. government should socialize Americans' oil and gas firms. Now, again, what happened when Venezuela did that? And that's just one of several countries that have done it. At a Houston conference last week, Jason Brodoff, dean of Columbia University's climate school, ahaha, so you see what's really going out here. Yeah, you understand what's really going on. He's the dean of Columbia University's climate school, called for the nationalization of oil and gas companies. Government must take an active role in owning the assets that will become standards, he said. Yeah, so he's um, a socialist and a member of the cult of climate change. So on Twitter, he said, I've never stated support for the nationalization of oil and gas companies. Well, at least not publicly has, but okay. What I have said is government may need to play a role in facilitating short-term oil and gas investments that need to be retired way before, well, there's just time on horizon to meet our climate goals. So we can meet the energy needs now as we transition to a different kind of energy. But again, you see what his real motive is here. Nationalize it so we can eventually put it out of business anyway. So he wants to make it financially worthless, essentially, over time. If you nationalize it, you certainly would. But again, these guys are socialists and members of the cult of climate change. The calls came on the heels of two other Democrat-led efforts to expand the U.S. government control over oil and gas production. One is a piece of legislation called NOPEC, N-O-P-E-C, which... Past the Senate Judiciary Committee in May, the bill would change the U.S. antitrust law to revoke a policy of sovereign immunity, which protects OPEC members from lawsuits. NOPEC, if it became law, the U.S. Attorney General could sue Saudi Arabia and other OPEC nations in court. Another early effort is led by the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, to cap the price of Russian oil and gas on global markets, which, um, and I love this, 
She says, I and many other experts, again, these people are not experts. Look at the mess they made. They're not experts. I and many other experts have warned since June is unworkable because China and India have said that they would circumvent it and could it could backfire, resulting in higher prices. Earlier this month, Bordoff told the World Economic Forum, which has called for the Great Reset, to quickly move from fossil fuels to renewables, again, trying to fight climate change, and et cetera, et cetera. So these are these socialists and members of the cult of climate change that want to seize coal, gas, and oil altogether, really, nationalize it so they can put it out of business. Now, if you want to know what that looks like, all we have to do is go to Venezuela. That's the most recent example. There are other examples of that. But go to Venezuela as the most recent example to see what that looks like and what that does to a country. Now, do you remember the Venezuelan toilet paper problem? Oh, when Venezuela ran out of beer and when they started eating animals that were in the zoos because they didn't have any food that the trouble that venezuela which used to be one of the richest countries if not the richest in south america the trouble that they came across the moment they let government take over industries nationalize them run them through the government owned by the government run through the government you see what happens, much like in North Korea, where there's only one fat man in the entire country. That's essentially what's happening in Venezuela. The good news, I'll look for a silver lining here. You see, in America, we've all gotten way too fat. Well, there is the Venezuelan diet. Want to lose weight without drugs, pills, or human rights? Then come to Venezuela, the most effective weight loss solution in history. Other diets are unrealistic. Regardless of how hard you try, your country still has food. But thanks to an ancient Soviet secret, we found a way. Here's how. Our government price controls lead, as they always do, to food shortages, leaving you unable to eat late at night or most other times. Gee, that sounds great. Won't I miss America? Please, we have plenty in common. You'll still find yourself standing in line for the latest release at the Apple Store. Like ESPN, we've gotten rid of some on-air talent, and we might be getting a Cracker Barrel. Look, there it is. I'm a journalist. Is Venezuela right for me? Of course. We've created designated free speech zones just for you. You won't believe how many calories you'll burn. Recycling. CrossFit and taking community walks. Isn't that a violent protest? No, they're shooting a Pepsi commercial. Oh, that makes sense. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to one of our success stories. We have no toilet paper, but it's okay because we have no food. <laughs> when God closes a door, he opens a window. It is pie on window. Learn how you can go from this to this. From this to this. From this... Well, what they've created in Venezuela is a socialist paradise. To this. What you had in Venezuela wasn't technically socialism. It was, um, Chavezism. Venezuela. Try it today. If I manage to make it through this week, I would like my street jacket to be black leather and my helmet to sparkle. Thank you. 
Here's your morning update. Is on the air. Sorry, but we had a budget. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. This is K2 Radio. Three is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. All right, 888-97-WOODS, the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. Now, I've talked about a lot of things this morning that get the tin hat conspiracy theorists out there really going. And I get it. I understand that. Because there's a lot of things where you look at all the different evidence and you think, there's probably more going on here than getting out to the general public. I get it. Who the hell are you? Oh, um... I'm just here looking for a tin hat. Why? I'd rather not say out loud. Good answer. Is the problem terrestrial threat or outer space? Outer space, I suspect. CIA, KGB, gray, or reptile? Probably a combination, but I can't tell which combo. Since you're not sure, probably need three or more sheets, conventional headgear lined with electromagnetic fields, mind control, and mind reading. Do you have a cat? Yeah, I do have a cat. He'll need one, too. If they're from Vogon, they'll probably watch you through your cat. Where did you learn all of this? That's classified. Oh, is it? Well, it just seems odd that you know so much. Seems odd that you ask so many questions. You have trouble making sales, don't you? Only sell to those I trust, so... Yeah. Yeah, it really is hard only in a tin hat conspiracy theory store. I mean, every customer that comes in is possibly a government agent. All right, let's go to Los Angeles, California. And if you're new to the program, the reason I call it Los Angeles is because my childhood hero, Bugs Bunny, called it Los Angeles. Do not tell me that my childhood hero was wrong. Los Angeles County is thinking about the idea of a guaranteed basic universal income. This has been discussed before. This is another one of those things, much like what I was talking about with the last segment, when they uh, kick around the idea of, well, we need to nationalize the oil and gas industry. Well, that's already been done. We've seen the result of it. We know what happens when you do that. It's never good. All right, universal basic income. It's been tried, not just in foreign countries, but during the COVID era, we did it here in America. It doesn't go well. There's reasons why, but let's read the story first. Following a national trend, Los Angeles and Los Angeles County have embraced the popular guarantee income concept to combat poverty by offering low-income residents no-strings-attached money. What could possibly go wrong, right? The city of Los Angeles offers a guaranteed income of about $3,200 to participants chosen at random to receive $1,000 per month for 12 months. Los Angeles County has responded with two guaranteed programs of its own. The county pilot program guaranteed income involves 1,000 participants who receive $1,000 monthly for three years. The budget is sixteen thousand. Uh, sorry, sixteen point three million, and the county will use federal COVID relief money 
to pay for this. Remember what I told you when they started handing out COVID relief money. Between the waste and the fraud, okay, and then programs like this because they still haven't spent it all. So most of this money goes to waste. October 12th, Los Angeles County Supervisor said that uh, the county was starting a second guaranteed income program for 300 people between the ages of 18 and 24 who already are receiving employment services through the county. For those 300 randomly selected youth, they'll receive 1,000. I guarantee you they're not going to be randomly selected. Oh, no, you can't do that. No, no, no. You have to virtue signal in order to do this. You know, diversity and inclusion and so on. Virtue signaling must be involved, so there's no way that they're just going to hand out money randomly like that. Last year, the city of Los Angeles launched its largest guaranteed basic income program called Big Leap. According to the website, the program provides unconditional $1,000 monthly payments to approximately 3,200 individuals for 12 months. Uh, uh, Current Price Jr., the Los Angeles City Council member, said the program will be the largest guaranteed economic assistance pilot program in history. As I read this, though, I think, but what about, we already have things like this that don't do well for our country or cities or counties or states, and that's all the different kinds of welfare we hand out. That's not direct cash payments, but it is indirect cash payments. Well, some wait, correct myself, some of it's direct cash payments, isn't it? I think some of it actually is. The people targeted in Big Leaf Program must be 18 older, live under federal poverty line. They must also be pregnant or have at least one child. I thought this was random. Okay. So um, data shows that 34.9% was spent on food and groceries. It goes into what they think people are spending money on. 80% of the participants are female, 20% are male. But again, it's supposed to be a random thing. It's not working that way, is it? So when you just go and give people money and say, forget about it, don't worry about it, does that inspire them to work hard to get out of their situation of poverty? Or just the opposite? Oh, look, free money. I can sit around and do nothing. Which do you think happens? You know the answer. 8.30, local news, weather forecast, Wake Up Wyoming. If not at you, be part of the show at 888-97-WOODS. This is Wake Up Wyoming on K2 Radio. Six of times. Wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Our triple eight ninety seven Woods phone number eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. I do like to watch what people actually will do rather than what they'll say. For example, climate hypocrites, as one example, but also economic hypocrites, and there's all sorts of other different kinds of hypocrites out there. But do they actually do what they demand that you and I do? And in most cases, no, no. All of the all of those rules are for us, and it's you can tell a matter of actual control, not really what they claim. Whatever it is, all about. It's not what they claim. It's all about. Even climate activist Greta Thunberg has been noticing. Wow, these politicians, 
Lord, I mean, it's all about money and power, isn't it? Yes, Greta, it is, and not about the climate. So you remember some time back with all the idea, got to put up wind and solar, especially wind, we got to put up a lot of wind turbines, right? So let's go to Massachusetts off the coast of Nantucket. Oh, talk about NIMBY. These are some serious NIMBYites because you cannot destroy the beautiful view of Barack Obama or back when he was alive, Senator Kennedy. So they just weren't going to build these wind turbines off Nantucket. Here's the latest on this. A wind energy company has been in the process of developing a massive offshore wind farm called Commonwealth Wind Project, Commonwealth of uh, Massachusetts, working with the support of the state of Massachusetts for several years. When completed, it was to be about a 1,200 megawatt energy source. Second offshore project from Mayflower Wind was to produce another 400 megawatts. But now the companies behind both of these projects have asked the state to put the plans on hold. Reason given, projects are no longer viable. What? Under the current conditions, they would be unable to move forward for the time being. But the reason for hitting the brakes has little to do with technology or weather, but have a great deal to do with technology, well, the economy. Story says a major offshore wind project in the Massachusetts pipeline, don't say pipeline, you'll panic these people, is no longer viable, would no longer be able to move forward under terms of the contracts filed by both developers next to two offshore wind projects asking for state regulators, again, put them on hold until, well, currently we have supply shortages price increases, and interest rate hikes. So it's just not financially viable. Utility executives working with the assistance from Baker administration last year chose roughly the 1,200 megawatt Commonwealth Wind Project and the 400 megawatt project uh, in the third round of offshore procurements to continue the state's pursuit of establishing cleaner offshore power. As noted, the wind farms aren't being put on hold because of technology or weather problems. The problems being cited are, well, our economy. This is obviously a bit of an irony in seeing the same state and federal government actors who have pushed this form of energy down the throats of its citizens, except when it's off the coast of, let's say, a senator or a former president like Obama. These same people whose policies have driven this collapse, the story says, in the supply chain and in the labor market. Think about what he's saying here. The same people who push policies that put us in the economic situation we're in right now are finding it hard to put up the very wind and solar projects that they want because of the economy that they put us in. This has come full circle, hadn't it? In their brief, the developers suggested possible solutions to keep them on track. These include cost-saving measures, government tax incentives. In other words, give us money, and maybe we can go on. So the author here, 
and says, here's an exit question for the peanut gallery out there to consider. Has anyone checked to see how well these turbines would hold up if a Category 4 or 5 hurricane blew through? Doesn't happen often, but it does. Now, I have an answer to that. There was a it, Talk about an idiot study. I remember it was a few years ago. Some guy at, and I forget if it was MIT or some Massachusetts University, and we're going to put this in air quotes, did a study where he said, well, if you put up enough wind turbines in the Gulf of Mexico and out off the east coast of the United States, hurricanes, they would be nothing by the time they got to us because the wind turbines, well, that would disrupt them. Then they wouldn't be able to hold their shape anymore and they would fall apart. It would save us from hurricanes if we put up all these wind farms out in the water. Yeah, some, some guy at a university actually did a study like that when you and I actually both know the real answer to this. The hurricanes will simply just blow these structures down. All right. So you have a wind farm that's out there in the water where there's a nice breeze going all the time. I see why they want to put the wind farm there. There's a nice breeze going all the time. Hey, we're going to go ahead and create power out of this until a major storm. And it doesn't just have to be, as this gentleman suggests, a category four or five. They also have, besides tropical storms and so on, that make their way up from, you know, from around the Florida area on up the coast. They also have nor'easters coming down. And and what about because they do have this? It, it gets really cold in that part of the country, and so you're going to have wind turbines frozen over because, well, there's sea spray that happens all the time. The, the oceans constantly because the wind hits the water and there's spray that comes up. And then it gets below freezing. And so that's going to cause icing of these things as well. I wonder if they thought about that. But whatever they do, if they ever do get these things built at some point, if they ever do get these things built, you'll find that they're not being built off the coast of places like, well, where the pre former President Obama now lives. Which is right, his home is right on the shoreline. I know most of you know that. Where rising sea levels were supposed to swallow up that land by now anyway. But he went ahead and bought a house right on the coast that's not supposed to exist. And you're not going to find all sorts of wind farms off of the coast of Obama's house. Just like when Senator Edward Kennedy was around, he pushed for wind power. He pushed hard for it. But at the same time, he made sure it was never built within sight of his house. He lived just up the road from where Obama now lives. Don't you dare put it within sight of his house. Oh, no, you can't do that. Well, that's Senator Kennedy. You can't destroy his view, right? Can destroy your view, especially if you're someone who lives like with me out here in Wyoming. We've had all sorts of homeowners in Wyoming saying, hey, you're really destroying our view here and devaluing our property. Doesn't matter. But if one of these people was a powerful politician, then perhaps it would matter, right? 845, wake up Wyoming. Well, they're still never boring. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join the show at 888-97-WOODS.
848 is the time to wake up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Off to go to the ice box where Frank Gambino is waiting by. All right, so got some of the winter weather coming in. You guys in sports out there have been really spoiled here in Wyoming. This was a good fall. Yeah. It was. Now, everything changes. Of course. You know, and we have the state football playoffs this weekend for high school, and the finals are next week in Laramie. Okay. And if you've been to any one of those, the weather can be in Laramie at, at 50 yeah. or 50 below. Right, yeah. So, you know, we, and, and it is what it is. And add the wind, so we have your wind chill on top of yeah, that. Yeah, it's a, those are two long days. But okay. you know what? Yeah. We'll make it. Okay. And the 10 teams that qualify for the state finals in Laramie, they're going to make it, too. Okay. No, they'll all do just fine. I'm just noticing we've been spoiled so far this oh, year. They, oh, yeah. And that has been a good thing. But sooner or later, you're going to have to pay the piper. Now, how long do all of these finals go? How much longer do we have? Well, in, if on the high school end, volleyball is yeah. in Casper this week. Right. Uh, girls swimming is in Laramie this week. Okay. Indoors. Right. The, the, the challenge is getting to these places in one piece and going home. Yes. Next week, the football championship games are in Laramie. Okay. Those guys are outside. Fans uh, bundle up, or yes. maybe they don't have to. I don't. Uh, well, know. Now, according to Don Day, okay, we do have some snow and some rain comes down, and the temperature drops down into like let's say the 40s and 30s, depending on on where you are. Which I look at and I think, I don't want to hear any complaints because you guys have had it far worse. You still have it nice. Um, we're still going to complain. Yeah. Oh, because, okay. you, know, <laughs> you know, because when, yeah. when it's in the in the 30s and it's yeah. night. Yeah. Um, it really feels like it. Glenn, you know, Glenn I want you to yeah. stand right next to me. Yes. Well, here, here's what. And then you'll be like, wow, yeah. what am I doing here? Yes. This is where it's like when it's a nice, crisp, cold day, but it's pure sunshine right yeah you're out in the sun and it feels great but then you step in a shadow and dear <laughs> lord it's free you've noticed this right oh yeah it's and just freezing cold so that's basically what you're saying you're going to have these games at night so it's not sunny out it's at night you're in perpetual shadow when it's 30 degrees that's going to be miserable you just have to keep moving and and okay. then you know just just keep moving so i gotta do well, in college football, the Wyoming Cowboys do have this week off. They are 6-3 and three overall, 4-1 and one in Mountain West play after a 27-20 road win over Hawaii back on Saturday night in Honolulu. The Hawaii scored the first 10 points of the game. Wyoming got right back in in the second quarter with a John Horland field goal and a 35-yard run for a score from quarterback Andrew Peasley. Dwayne McNeely and Dwayne McNeely and Peasley added fourth-quarter TD runs, and the defense held on as Hawaii ran 75 plays on offense. Like any other game, there's some good things and there's some bad things. Here's UW head coach Craig Bowl. So we competed and played really hard. Our execution was not where it needed to be. There's a lot that goes into that, but uh, our effort and energy level was outstanding. A um, couple players played really well. Camp Stone continues to improve and get better. Um, obviously, John Hoyland's doing a great job with his place kicking. Cowboys got to that six-win mark that makes them bowl eligible. That's the sixth time in the last seven years that's happened. Folks do have this week off. It's the border war with Colorado State a week from Saturday in Fort Collins. In the NFL from last night, Cincinnati was drilled by Cleveland 32-13. There were a pair of Natrona County High School grads from Casper in that game. For Cincinnati, Logan Wilson was back in there after missing last week's game with a shoulder injury. He was in on eight tackles from the linebacker spot. Six 
Six were solo. On the Cleveland side, Taven Bryan plays on the Browns' D-line. He had four tackles and a half a sack. Back on Sunday, Buffalo beat Green Bay 27-17, so the Bills are 6-1 and on the year, and their quarterback and former UW star Josh Allen, eh, you know, just... Up and down game, 13 of 25 for 218 yards with two TDs and also threw a couple of picks. Allen had 49 yards rushing in the game. In high school football, the semifinal round is set statewide and 4A in the Toronto will be at Cheyenne East at 6 p.m. on Friday. Cheyenne Central will be at Sheridan also at 6 p.m. on Friday. In 3A, Buffalo will be at Cody for a 5 p.m. kickoff on Friday. Star Valley will be in Douglas for a 6 p.m. kickoff on Friday. In 2A, Lovell will host Cokeville on Saturday at 1 p.m. Bighorn will host Lyman at Friday at noon. In 1A, Nyman Shoshone will host Wind River at Saturday at 2 p.m. Pine Bluffs will be at home on Friday at 4 to take on Rocky Mountain. And 1A six men and Campman will be at Little Snake River on Friday at noon. Burlington goes to Dubois Friday at 2 p.m. In junior college volleyball, the Region 9 tournament will start tomorrow at Casper College. The host team, the Casper College Thunderbirds, 7-26 and 26 on the year. They are the fourth seed from the north. They'll take on Western Nebraska tomorrow in the first round at 5 p.m. LCCC from Cheyenne is the second seed from the north with a record of 16-10. and 10, And they will take on McCook, Nebraska in the first round at 1 p.m. tomorrow. That tournament will run through Saturday. Next hour, I'm going to give you the full list, and I will say for the record, because you'll never say this out loud, I am a genius. I looked up the coldest games in college football history. Oh, you have? And I have a list here. Were any of them in Wyoming? Uh, that's what I'm trying to find out. While you were talking, I started to go through these. And these go back quite a bit, too. I mean, some of these games are in, like, the 1930s. Some are more modern here. But, yeah, there's a list here. Now, you would think that Wyoming would have to be in there somewhere, right? I would think so. But, you know, if you're just looking at just cold, that's one thing. Yeah. How about, like, snow? Well, okay, now, and then let, let's add wind <laughs> on top yeah. of that. So yeah. cold wind and snow. So yeah. you'd be like, what were the 10 most miserable games okay. in college football ever? Okay. And that could be in, in the in the southeast part of the state, uh, the country, in Florida, Georgia. How much rain did they get in the game? Yeah, okay. See, that could be miserable, too. Oh, Nobody's yeah. just getting soaked to the bone. All right, Frank, we'll do it next time. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. News time after that. More open phones. Wake up, Wyoming. Six of time. It's Wake 